The Lord loves his people. Amen? Amen. This morning we're going to be reading one of the most familiar text in all the Bible. It's Psalm 23, and we're going to read it responsibly, so I'm going to ask you to stand and read it with me in your order of worship. This is how he loves us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. O oh Lord, we pray that you would lift up our hearts, that you would open our ears and our minds to know the meaning of the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen. Be seated. How do you preach Psalm 23? You know, everybody or a lot of people have learned this when they were in, if you're a Sunday school person in Sunday school and kind of stayed with you your whole life, it's just so dear, is it not? It's just so beautiful. It's so assuring, these words, the Lord is my shepherd. And I'd like to get at the meaning of this, this psalm this morning by giving you two words. Don't worry, I'm going to go up to the pulpit in a minute. But I'm going to need your help to, to, to help us understand the first word. And this word is about who God is. This is about the glory of God and how amazing it is that we can know him. You know, when we think about the greatness of God, what are some of the words that come to our minds? I need a little help here. Like, God is great. What else would you say about the, the glory and greatness of God? What is he like? He is loving. He is powerful. He is holy. He is, he is the creator of all things with his own mouth, his own breath in, in the span of six days. He is all-knowing, all-wise, all-power, God of majesty, the great and mighty God, the lofty and exalted God over all that sustains all, at all things are held together in Jesus Christ, who reigns at the right hand, the power of God. Here's the word, Emmanuel. We say Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God is with us. Now, we say it like this, God is with us. Mm -mm. God, the one we just, God is with me. God is with us. Yes, God is with us. If you've put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross, God so loving the world that he sent his son Jesus that what cuts us off from this great and mighty and holy God is our sin 
Jesus has taken our sin upon him. He has paid the penalty between us and a holy God. Jesus declared over what he did, it is finished, it is over. It is now a free gift offered. If you've put your trust in that, then you can say, God is with me. Emmanuel. But here's the second word. The word is shepherd. You see, this is to answer the question through Psalm 23, how is God with us? He's not just there. He is my shepherd, meaning he's always initiating. He's always loving. He's always providing. He's always protecting. He's always leading. He's always there because the whole point of being a shepherd is that shepherds are with their sheep. God personally cares for me. The Lord is my shepherd. Isn't that beautiful? Not the Lord is our shepherd, which so often in the Old Testament, when God is described as a shepherd, it is the corporate nature of him being the shepherd over his people Israel. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now the Bible tells us that we are like sheep. Now we city dwellers um, don't really know a whole lot about sheep. Uh, now, some Mississippians might know about sheep. I don't know. I think you know probably more about cows than, than sheep. But when we think of sheep, what do you think of? I mean, you think of like those, those sheep in the Hallmark store, you know? Those cute little woolly, friendly, benign, loving little creatures. Okay, God is my shepherd. The Lord's my shepherd because I'm just this wonderful, sweet, little woolly little thing that God loves. That is not what Psalm 23 is trying to get at with us being sheep at all. Actually, it's more toward the idea that sheep are stupid and that sheep cannot take care of themselves. They are not cute, woolly little things. Far from it. They are arrogant little creatures that love to go their own way. Instead of the shepherd's way. We all like sheep. Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to his own way. Sheep are smelly. Congratulations. Stubborn animals that are helpless without a shepherd. Bah, that's you. Okay. That's you. I love Matthew 9, 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. It was because they were harassed and helpless, just like sheep, without a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And oh, how I need him to be my shepherd. You see, it's not just that he's there. And it's not even just kind of the, the services that he renders as a shepherd. He is my shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 14. Maybe you want to kind of hold, if you've got a Bible going there, you might want to hold your place in John 10. We'll, we'll kind of go back and forth between Psalm 23 and John 10, which is otherwise known as the Good Shepherd Discourse of our Lord Jesus. In John 10, 14, we hear these words of our Savior. Think about how personal and loving these words are. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. 
and my sheep know me. Isn't that wonderful? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. John 20, uh, 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There, there is such of a personal love and a tenderness here. God is called a shepherd all over the Bible. But I'll tell you one of my favorite places that describes the shepherdhood of God is in the book of Isaiah in Isaiah 40, 11. I mean, I, I remember reading this just in a devotional time one morning and, and, and beginning to almost weep. I, kinda, I think I remember stopping myself, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, just, it just hit me, the love. God is with us, Emmanuel, as our shepherd. Listen to these words. Isaiah 40, 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Oh, my. The Lord is my shepherd. And he tends me. He tends his flock. He, he picks, scoops me up. And he carries me close to his heart. You want to live close to the heart of God? I don't know what you brought in the door this morning, but you need for the Lord to be your shepherd. You need to be held tightly by God. You need to be held close to his heart. You know, God is not just a, a monarch sitting on a throne. There are many metaphors for God, are there not? Monarch would be one of them. Father would be another. But when you think of a monarch, what do you think of? You think of somebody sitting on a throne and from that place of power directing whatever needs to happen or overcoming whatever needs to overcome. But you know what? God is not described here as a monarch sitting on a throne, is he? He is described as a shepherd. And the whole point is that a shepherd is with his sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. Each one of them. The shepherd actually personally leads and cares for those sheep and those flock. The shepherd will leave 99 sheep who are grazing in a nice pasture and go after that one sheep that's gone out in a gravel parking lot and is starting to eat gravel. And he picks that sheep up, puts him on his shoulders, and brings him back. That's what kind of loving God we have. Do you ever get tired of the grind of it all in a fallen world? Do you ever feel harassed and helpless in your life? Are you just slap worn out sometimes? You ever get tired of having to watch your back? You feel downcast? Are you thirsty for something more real? Are you thirsty for love, real love? You need God as your shepherd. And this morning... If you've not put your trust in what Christ has done, if he's not your shepherd, you can do that. And God will be your Emmanuel. He will be with you and he'll be your shepherd. And you know, for the rest of us who are walking the Christian life in a fallen world, which is tough, maybe we just need to remember how much he loves his people. How tender and beautiful and personal is the love of our shepherd. And here's the good news is that God always wants to be our shepherd. You know, God doesn't get to a point where he says, Joseph has gone off in that gravel lot again. You know, Susie's gone over in that barren wilderness again. I tell you, this is the 
1800th time that sheep has, has gone away, I'm just, just let them go. No. Wherever you are, whatever is going on, if you've put your trust in Christ, the good news to you this morning is that God not only is our shepherd, God wants to act as your shepherd, and he'll bring you home today. He'll put his hands on you. He'll, he'll hold you close to his heart today if that's what you need. And I'd like for us to, to walk through Psalm 23, and I'd like for us to look at what it means for for this love and the shape that it takes as, as the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, verse 1. And in verse 2, verse 1 also, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You know what that means? It means if God is your God through Christ, there is nothing that you will ever lack that you need for life and godliness. You will have whatever God wants you to have. I didn't say you will have whatever you want to have. But you will have whatever God wants you to have. And it will be enough. And it will be the, what, what God wants you to have. And it will bring the most joy in your life. And we can stop fearing that we're really never going to have what we think we need. People live in fear of what they don't have and if they'll never have it. If God is my shepherd, and if God is your shepherd, I assure you, dear brothers and sisters, you will have all that he wants for you to have in this life. And we can trust in, in his provision. You know, I think that some of the greatest disappointments in life come from when we look to another person to provide for us what only the shepherd can provide. See, we get off in our lives and we say, hey, I, I hear from my culture. I hear what it takes for me to have a satisfying life. I've got to have a relationship, and this relationship's got to look like this. And if I had this relationship, then I'd be happy. Then I would be full. That is a lie. Your marriage will never give you what only the shepherd can give you. Whatever material thing you think will make your life, it will never give you. It can never give you what only the shepherd can give you. You know, my wife Gina might put it this way, Joseph is my husband. I shall often be in want. You know, that's the way it works. But God, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall never lack for anything. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The shepherd provides for us. Not only will we lack nothing, he's an initiating God. He knows how to, how to give us what we really need. And, and I'll tell you something, in our compulsive society where we always feel like we always got to have more, need to achieve more, need to get more, there is this thing that we never get that when God, when, when, when the Bible talks about God being shepherd, it's one of the first things he says he wants for us. It is that R-E-S-T word. I'll give you rest. How's that sound to you? I, I got the spot, the greenest, most lush, wonderful spot for you. I'll make you lie down in that spot. I mean, it's, it's kind of like nap time in kindergarten, but just a lot more better, you know? The Hebrew word that David uses here for green pastures literally means fresh shoots. 
Can you just see how tender and how lush and soft is this place that, that the shepherd is, wants to make us lie down in? I remember when I was a boy, we, my parents built a new house. And they built this house. And, you know, if you've ever built a house or been next to one that's being built, there's no yard. So you've got to plant a yard. And it was going to be winter. And, uh, and so my dad did something. I didn't know about this. And I started deer hunting later. That's when I understood, oh, yeah, that's what that is. And if you're a deer hunter, you know what I'm talking about. Winter rye, rye grass. My dad sowed that, that, that yard in, like thickly in rye grass. And so winter comes and everybody's yard in the entire neighborhood turns brown and scratchy and, and prickly, and you don't want to lie down in that grass. And then there's the wheat's yard, you know? I'm like 10 years old, and it's, it's green. That like, can I point your uh, coat out? That kind of color green right there. I mean like odd green, not yours, not the coat, I meant the grass odd. <laughs> odd green for grass, you know? And so, have y'all ever seen this grass? Tender little shoots, just, just so lush. Every kid in the neighborhood was coming to my yard to play. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You ought to see the green pastures that God has picked out for you if you just trust him. If you just try to quit trying to decide it and, and make it without him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, we read these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. and I will give you rest. Verse 2, he leaves me beside quiet waters. Literally, he leaves me to tranqu- a tranquil watering hole where without fear I can just drink in all that the hunger and thirst for him, all that is necessary. It is a place of safety. It is a place of great provision. And then verse 3, he restores my soul. Not only does God take care of our bodies, gives us rest and food and drink, takes care of our souls you know we are physical beings and we are spiritual beings and 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 the shepherd obviously takes care of the physical of the sheep but there's this wonderful thing that um that in our whole man we get broken emotionally we get downcast and spiritually we we get fractured and you know what the shepherd says I want to make whole again that which is broken. I want to take you up into my arms. I want to hold you close to my heart. I want to restore your soul. The the word here for restore literally means to return to its right state or to refresh. You know that little button on your computer, the refresh button, and everything's okay after you hit that? That's what God wants to do. He He wants to refresh our souls. Matthew 11, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for... I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your weary souls. And then verse 3. Can you hear me now? (laughs) He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So, So God is the shepherd. He is my shepherd. God provides for me. But you know, God not only is going to provide, he's going to lead me. He's going to, there's a pathway that God has for us, and that pathway will be the pathway of peace. It will be the pathway of his will, and he really wants to lead us. In verse 3, guides us in paths of righteousness 
for his name's sake. Do you know that sheep, being like they are, will walk away from perfectly good grass? They will walk away from cool watering holes into just howling, barren wildernesses. I'm telling you, they'll think in their stupid little mind that there's something over here that's shiny. There's something that can really make it, and they'll walk, and they will thirst to death. They will hunger to death because they, they have to have a shepherd to survive. God certainly will come and take you out of a gravel parking lot eating gravel and he will bring you back to that green grass and that that water and restoring of your soul but you know what and and we're going to be in that gravel parking lot folks as believers and I'm not trying to encourage you that it's okay to go walk off in a gravel parking lot and pursue your own life without God I'm telling you it's gravel and it doesn't digest real well and it doesn't make you too happy either but what God really wants to do is to say come this way let me be your shepherd let me lead you in these paths of righteousness, which the Bible say lead to peace. Prone to wonder. Don't you love that, that line of that hymn? Prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. It's like in the 1700s. I mean, this isn't even like 20th century man with all these distractions. People in the 1700s were prone to wonder and Lord, I feel it. Yes, because we're sheep prone to leave the God I love. Now, I have a dear friend named Chris. We were here in Jackson when I was at the seminary, and he was a businessman. He's a great leader, just a good, good guy. Many, several of y'all know him, uh, actually, in this, this congregation, because I knew you at that time, and you knew him. And um, it's interesting, um, you know, he was like a responsibility taker. You know, he's always, he's always he would be the leader, you know. And then... When he was about 27, he was getting married. And so we all met up in Birmingham where he got married. And he invited me to spend the night before, you know, with him before the, the wedding. And so the night before, we're sitting in this hotel room. And after we've been with, with all the, his friends and, and, and our friends, and we're sitting there. And I said, you know... I know you want to dedicate this marriage to God. Let's just get down on our knees right here by this bed in this hotel room. And let's just pray about this. He's scared to death. If, if you've never gotten married, if you're scared to death, okay? And um, so we're sitting there, and, you know, we're, he's praying. He's dedicating his marriage to God. He's thanking the Lord for this, this lovely bride that God has given him. And, and it came my time to pray. And it's so interesting. I had this thought, and I just, we stopped praying. I said, you know, Chris, you're wondering what kind of a spiritual leader you're going to be for your wife and your family. This is just yet another setup for you to, to get on it and be a leader. I said, but you know what? When it comes to God, you don't ever have to lead. All you got to be is his kid. Isn't that beautiful? When it comes to God, All you've ever got to do is follow, is be his sheep. You you don't have to make your own. I mean, you're going to have to take responsibility. But but there is this greater sense if we're wondering, what's my life going to be like? How's this going to work out? How's that? You don't worry about all that. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And that last part is for his name's sake. He leads us to live well 
so that we might glorify him. It's for his name's sake. As John Piper has famously said, we enjoy him most when we glorify him best. Let me say that again. We enjoy God most when we glorify him best. Paths of righteousness are there so that we can walk with this God who will bring maximum glory to himself through our lives, which is the pathway of maximum enjoyment and peace for us. And it's just a daily walk with our shepherd. But you know, not all the terrain is pleasant, is it? If God's providing for us, God's leading us, sometimes he leads us through places named things like this, the valley of the shadow of death. You may think, hey, if I, if I love the Lord and if, I, if the Lord's my shepherd, I mean, we're just going to, paths of righteousness are the easy paths. Oh, contraire. See, God never promised that he was going to exempt us from troubles. What God promises is that he's going to be our shepherd, that he's going to lead us in a fallen world. Nobody escapes the selfishness of other people. Nobody escapes the selfishness and the twisted uh, results of their own hearts and minds and actions. And so there are always very difficult things to go through. And what God is saying here is, I'm going to be with you. First, in the book of 1 Peter, we read these words in 1 Peter 4.12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Well, now I'm walking with God. Why am I going through this hard time? This is not strange. You shouldn't be surprised. This is normal life. The difference isn't that we get clep out of all the trials. The difference is that God will be our shepherd in the valley of the shadow of death. And how wonderful that is. It feels like a dark valley. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. That rod in the passage there, you know what that is? That was used by a shepherd to ward off evil, to to directly protect the sheep. You're like, man, we're in the valley of the shadow of death. It can't get any worse than this. Oh, yes, it can. Even when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. God the shepherd's beating the life out of all these other things that could be hanging on you and attacking you right now. He's allowing you to go through the valley. He is with you and his rod is is actually beating off because he won't give you more than you can take if you will just follow him. You believe that? The staff, can you picture the staff, the long thing with the crook on the end? You know what that crook is for? That crook is for when the the sheep start falling off an edge. It's it's kind of a platform to put weight behind the sheep and and grab the sheep and pull them up out of danger. You thought it couldn't get any worse. It could be a whole lot worse. God is merciful in the valley of the shadow of death. As one writer says, he does not send us through the dark valley with the cheery promise to meet us again on the other side. He goes with us every step of the way. And in verse 5, more trial, more difficulty. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You know, one of the big problems in life is that we live a lot of our lives in fear of what other people will do to us. Yes. 
the Lord is your shepherd, you don't have to do that. The Lord is your shepherd, you follow him. Paths of righteousness will be paths of peace. They may be difficult. They will be, bring glory to God. They will bring joy to you. And let me tell you what, what, what the passage is saying here about adversarial, the adversarial nature of life in a fallen world is that we have people pushing back on us, pushing down on us. And, and the psalm is saying, let me tell you, your shepherd, he's going to set up a victory dinner right in their face. Right in their face. He's going to finally, at the end of the day, show the world that he is God and that his ways are right and his salvation is real and his grace is good. And we see these wonderful metaphors. He is going to anoint my head with oil in the presence of my enemies, a symbol of profuse blessing. My cup overflows. I mean, you know, my enemies are stumbling and falling, God's enemies And my cup is overflowing. This is real Old Testament language. You know, you get that sense in the Old Testament that that God really will deal with things. And he does in his own time and in his own way. My enemies will stumble and fall. I will feast at the blessing of God in their faces. And then I will invite them to come over to Jesus and feast with me. One of the best things that somebody can see is the goodness of God in the midst of difficulty in the life of a believer. And they say, oh my, this is real. Well, then come on over. Join this table in this overflowing cup. And then verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what this is saying is that the shepherd not only cares for us and not only directs us and protects us in this life, what it's saying is he's going to herd us all the way to heaven. And there's no contingencies. And he's going to provide at every step along the way. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. It, it is a picture of a God who never gives up on us, on a God who is always bringing goodness and mercy every day to us. Remember what Lamentations 3 says? His mercies are new. How often? Every morning. Do you know why God's mercies are new every morning? Because we need God's mercies fresh every morning. The shepherd is promising us, I'm going to do all this for you. I love you. This is how I love you. And goodness and mercy are going to follow you. Chuck Swindoll in his book about this passage calls, and I love this language, the goodness and mercy of God, the two sheepdogs of God. You ever seen sheepdogs work? I mean, they're just like really fast and they're getting after it. I mean, the sheep wants to go this way and the sheepdog is running circles. No, no, it's almost like the sheepdog's screaming at them. Get back over here. Don't go over there. There's a cliff. And, the, and goodness and mercy. Every day God is pursuing. Every day God is loving. Every day his promises are new every morning. You go through trials, God's goodness and mercy are following you. When you want to cave in in your life, don't. 
Because there will be a new morning and His mercies will be new again and joy will come in the morning. And finally, dear people, when we die in the Lord, His goodness and mercy will be there. Don't you love those last words? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you believe in Emmanuel? God is with us. You will call him Emmanuel. Do you believe that he is with us as a shepherd, my shepherd, all these personal and aggressive, all this personal and aggressive love and care and direction and protection. Let me share with you in closing how you can know for certain that it is true. I'd like for you to turn back to the Good Shepherd Discourse, which is John chapter 10, and I'd like for you to look at verse 11. How do I know? How can I count on this? Here's the answer. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Folks, God doesn't withhold anything from us. How do we know that? He didn't even withhold his own son. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him freely give us all things? If you've come to a place in your life where you're just kind of out in the gravel parking lot <laughs> instead of the green grass, you come to a place in your life where you're downcast and you're wondering whether God really loves you, just how online, how personal God is in his loving leadership. And you look to the cross and you will see the shepherd dying for you. And you will see that because God didn't spare his own son, there is nothing that you need that he won't give you. Two words, Emmanuel, God is with us. How is he with us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are who you are. And Jesus, you are the good shepherd. You know your sheep and we know you. We hear your voice, which is through the word and even through the gospel that you have laid down your life for the sheep. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross, laying down his life to make you his sheep, and you'd like to have a relationship with him, just pray with me. Lord, I see it and I just turn from my sin, everything that I've called Christianity, everything I've called religion, and I put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done on the cross for me. Thank you that even now you've come into my life. Thank you that even now you are my shepherd. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for a number of years and we have been so prone to wander. Lord, there are hurting people, struggling people, 
doubting people all over this sanctuary this morning, would you lift up your son and that one monument to the reality of your love and the assurance of the promise of your shepherdhood, the cross. And Lord, would you put it back into our hearts that you're not only with us and you not only love us, but you are our shepherd. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.